Are you about to start a podcast or producing a podcast and tired of doing the editing yourself? We have produced over 1,000 daily shows and the production team that I've created, they're now available to produce shows for you as well. We can do as little or as much as you need from finding and communicating with guests, preparing introductions, to editing the audio and video. You will sound better, have a more professional presence, and be able to spend your time doing other valuable tasks on your business. Let me know you're interested by emailing me directly at Whitney at LifeBridgeCapital.com. You have to know how to take adversity, and I didn't. I had never seen adversity. So now what I do is when I call people, I open with, hey, in 2008, I went into a depression because I thought I'd lost everybody's money. If you invest with me, you've got that guy with that experience, and I'm not going to let that happen again if I have anything to say about it. And that's why we do our deals all cash. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell, and we are back again today with Joel Friedland. You just heard his first episode yesterday. If you didn't, I hope you will go back and listen, man, 40 years in real estate, right? In industrial real estate, very focused in that space. And he has done very well. And I hope yesterday you heard how he shared about 2008 and what happened to him and how that changed how he moved forward in this business. It's very interesting to me. And and I think it's very, again, I think it's very timely with you know the economic cycle market that we are in right now. Today, you're going to hear, how does he decide to move forward on a deal? And I think it's a process that is probably healthy for anyone, right? For any operator. I want to think through this myself, but ultimately this board of advisors that you're going to hear about, and even some more about the structure of these deals. But then also, you know, just some of the final questions that I ask him, that I ask almost everyone, just some interesting things came out. And I really enjoyed this time with Joel. I know you're also going to learn a lot from him again today. Sometimes we make decisions and I have to wonder, did they have too much coffee or was that, was that, you know, that's help, you know, making them feel that way or maybe it seems a little different than they did the day before. Or, but yeah, you're right. We should assess why are we making these decisions? And I like, you know, you're talking about, I need to know all those details during the due diligence process and that it's not, I'm not just making this decision because I feel like I'm on a high, right? Or I'm, I can't be stopped. So no doubt about it. I like how you said to, you know, the, the eight advisors that you talk to before you do a deal. And you think, uh, and then whether you're on your, you know, on your scale, whether you're a three or whether you're a nine, hopefully talking through this deal, you know, with these eight people, it's going to help bring you back down or bring you up one or the other, right? Depending on this specific opportunity. Maybe speak to that process a little bit, how you found these eight and then uh, is that one conference call, kind of what the structure of that a little bit. I love that you know, the advisory type approach like that? So I've got 200 investors in my group and I know them all. One of my habits is I talk to at least three of them every day and I run things by them and they run things by me. I put together this advisory group because of the fact that I got in trouble in 2008. And I believe that it's important to get other people's opinions, especially smart people who are solid with their judgment in business. So I looked at who my investors were and I got in touch with the ones that I felt would really be great advisors and who I could trust the most. Steve Podolsky, who's, who was my original mentor, Milt hired me, but then he put me, instead of to work for Randy in management, he put me to work for Steve and a guy named Richard Levy in the brokerage business. 
Steve is still my main advisor. If I call him and I say, I'm thinking of a deal, he gives me seven details to think about. And every one of them is a trip up. Every one of them is, if you don't know this answer, you shouldn't do this deal. And there are seven others that Nate Wagner, who's one of them, he's tremendous. He's 95 years old and he's been investing with me, he and his family for 20 years. I won't do a deal unless he signs off on it. He's really smart and capable and he's so low risk. He loves the, the no debt. Yeah, he doesn't course. want to lose his money. Of and course. I've got six others. One runs a business that manufactures some products. One's actually an industrial real estate broker. So they come from various walks of life. And I just love these guys. They're, they're really great. One, one is a woman who sold her business and she built it up from nothing. And she and her partners sold it to a, a venture capital firm and, She's sitting on a pile of money and she's scared to death because she doesn't want to lose it. So that's really my group. And I really want to tell you how much, how grateful I am for them. Sure. And I tell, I tell them how grateful I am for them. Yeah. Speak to connecting with high net worth individuals like that earlier on in your career. I've got a great story. This one is a story that has a bad ending. It's actually a good ending, but a bad ending. I at one point was playing a lot of golf and I was the member of a country club that's a block away from my house in, in Deerfield, Illinois. And there was a guy who I knew from the golf course and I knew he was a billionaire and I knew that he was running a company that he, he just, he makes a fortune. And I contacted him on the phone and I said, Teddy, I, I want to get together and talk to you about an investment opportunity. He says, well, that's interesting. My family has a family meeting every first Wednesday of the month. And we sit around the dining room table and people come in and they pitch their deals. Wow. So I said, that's great. So it was 2007. Okay. So Joel's flying high. I can do no wrong. <laughs> I'm just like so successful. And I think I'm hot crap. So I go and I sit down with them and Ted says, so Joel, tell my wife and my three adult children why we should invest with you. And the first thing I said was, well, I've been doing this for the last 17 years and I've never lost anyone's money. And Ted looks at me and he says, meeting's over. We can talk social and we can be friends and we can play golf together, but we're not investing with you. And I said, but why? We've never lost anyone's money. He said, because you don't know what you're talking about. You haven't admitted that you've got deals that you own that aren't great. There are deals that you, in your mind, you've tricked yourself into believing because nobody does 70 deals and has no bad deals. That's BS. He said, come back when you've lost money and you know how to handle it, and then we'll consider investing. And so that was 2007. In 2008, he was proved right. He didn't become a billionaire for nothing. This guy was really right. You have to know how take adversity. And I didn't, I had never seen adversity. So now what I do is when I call people, I open with, Hey, in 2008, I went into a depression because I thought I'd lost everybody's money. If you invest with me, you've got that guy with that experience. And I'm not going to let that happen again. If I have anything to say about it. And that's why we do our deals all cash. By the way, I called Ted about a year ago and I said, are you ready? And he said, no, he says, I still have a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> so I couldn't get him. Even That's though like, I'm the safety guy, I'm, ex I'm into extreme financial safety. But, you know, you make a first impression and sometimes it just doesn't change for somebody. I would say you're so much better off because of the lesson learned, right? 
I mean, that's paid you probably so much moving forward with so many other conversations, right, that you've had with investors, to say the least. We're getting low on time, but I, I want to jump to uh, and be able you to have a minute to speak to a little more details about the structure and business plan of, of your types of deals and, you know, and talking about a little more about the security and, and why they're so safe and some of that too, even going through no debt and some of that. Sure. So we don't do funds. I don't like funds. I've done funds. And when you say fund, you mean like a multi-asset fund? Multi-asset right? fund. I don't do yeah. that. We do property by property. I can explain that away, but I don't like funds because it, it makes you, it puts the money in your pocket and burns a hole in your pocket and you need to go spend it. I like individual deals because people can pick and choose. And that helps me before I finish my due diligence, I've talked to 17 or 25 investors and they've all asked hard questions. And that's part of my due diligence per property. If we were in a fund, I'd be making the decisions. I wouldn't have to ask anybody. So we only do deal by deal. And what we do is we cold call. We find our deals still by cold calling. I have people who do that door-to-door for Chicago Industrial, and we're hyper-focused on that. So we find a deal, and usually we buy a building from a family that wants to get rid of an asset. That's almost across the board what we've done. We don't very often buy from corporations because they put stuff on the market and then a broker handles it. We have to get involved in all that. We find these deals and we figure out what we think we should pay. And then we syndicate it by putting together a private placement memorandum. There's only one page of projections because there's no debt. It's not very complicated. It's got our track record in it. And I say, I've lost money on seven of my deals and they were hell. And that's right in the track record section. I don't try to hide it. So I talk to people and I say the return on this deal is an unlevered 8% yield. And here's where the risks are. And all the risks are the same. Vacancy, 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 vacancy. Because we do single tenant industrial buildings. And if the tenant leaves, it's 100% vacant. And we're good at filling them because we have all these industrial broker relationships. And because we know a lot of the tenants and owners from cold calling but that's still the big risk. And we tell people that. But they come in and our increments start at 25000 to get people started. They, they sometimes want to, even if they're very, very wealthy, they say, you know what? I'll put twenty five in to get to know you. Oftentimes, people say, I want to put 250000 in, and I talk them into doing less. One of the big reasons is it's hard to find deals right now. And I, I actually need more buildings in order to satisfy the appetite of the group of investors. But they go in and we send out our distributions quarterly. So everybody gets 2% a quarter sent by ACH. And the communication's really good. We send quarterly reports. And if any investor calls me, I take the call immediately. My uh, belief is if someone wants to talk to me, they're important to me. I better talk to them within the hour. Yeah. And I do. No, that's incredible. I, I just appreciate the importance, right, on that relationship that you've You've definitely hammered out even through our conversation and many aspects. How you've you talked about that? I agree completely, and it is so important. And we're always striving to figure out better ways to take care of our investors, or what's a better way to communicate, or how do we get? You know, it's always this thing we're just like constantly working on. It seems as a team, and so I just appreciate the emphasis that you're putting on that. Even talking through your deals a little bit. How long are you holding these projects? What's kind of the plan? How many investors are going to be in a typical deal? How much say do you give them in that? you know, how the hold or, you know, all that stuff. Our average hold period is seven years, but that's only because we 
sometimes flip the first year. And that's because we get there before the neighbors get there and the neighbor finds out we bought a property and the lease is coming up and they have an industrial, a building is a tool for their business. They'll overpay for a building. It's not a cap rate deal. They're buying it to move into it. And that's the key to the whole thing. I've got a building that I, that I did with Milt Podolsky in 1990. So we've owned it for over 30 years. And we've got a great tenant. It's called Feed My Starving Children. And they raise $65 million a year. And they pack food. Church groups and school groups pack food. And they have missionaries who distribute it overseas. I never want to sell that building. It's a great tenant. It's heartwarming. My investors love it. But if an investor wants to get out, there's something called Rule 144 of the SEC, which I learned from my SEC lawyer. I can introduce one investor in my group to another. And if someone wants liquidity, I can get somebody out in a couple of days because someone else will take them out. And it's not offering securities. That's actually a different thing when it's matching people up. So that deal where Feed My Starving Children is in that 20,000 square feet, 30% of the original investors are still in and of 60 something percent, 70% were bought out by others. And they're all pretty happy with the buyout and they have their money, but the ones who wanted to stay in with me are still in. But that's an oddball. 30 years, owning a building for 30 years is like way off the charts. Thank you for being with us every day on the Real Estate Syndication Show. I've got a gift for you, but I want to ask that you will leave a written rating and review on iTunes. If you'll send a screenshot to info at LifeBridge Capital of that review and a mailing address, I want to send you one of my recommended monthly books. That is off the charts. It's interesting. And I'm going to look up that rule 144 as well. And I wonder, you know, how do they value their shares? Is that just then based on that investor then, I mean, can sell them for whatever they want to sell them for at that point? Yeah, I publish the value every year okay, based on comps and based on what the rent is and looking at cap rates and, and yields. And I give that to every investor. So when one investor talks to another, they're looking at my report that says, I think this building is worth $2 million. And then someone might say, hey, I'll buy 10% for 200000 and this the seller might say, well, I'll sell it to you for 220000 I let them negotiate with each other. I stay out of it. Yeah. That yeah. Now, that's interesting. I want to look that up myself. Uh, well, I, I want to jump to a few final questions. I want to get your opinion, Joel, on this, your, your experience, you know, 42 years on, on a few other things as well. But, you know, especially going through 2007, 8, you know, and, and then and even other cycles before that, right, downturns. What's your prediction? What do you predict over the next year, 18 months, two years currently, you know, in our market cycle? If I had a balloon here, I would take out my pin and I would pop it because I think the market's going to pop. I think there's going to be a big downturn in real estate. It's been too good for too long. The Fed has been keeping rates low artificially. And I think people have made decisions that were based on things that were not necessarily as solid as they should be. So... I'm not buying much right now because I'm afraid that if I buy something for three million, it'll be worth two point five million in a year. Yeah. So I think we're 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 looking at, at something kind of bad. Yeah. So Maybe your your plan is really to hold out right now for say six to twelve months and see what happens. Yeah. 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 What about any other ways other than you know no debt, which is pretty amazing. You know, are you preparing for a downturn? If you were to buy a building today, it did seem like a great deal. You just couldn't pass it up. What are some other things that you might do outside of no debt to 
to prepare for that downturn that you're expecting? So first of all, we keep a lot of cash reserves. That's really important. If we have six figures in the bank in all of our deals in case something goes wrong. And ultimately, I have too much cash because we're, we're holding on to all these reserves. But the key in our business and in industrial is good specifications. It's having good truck docks, good access for maneuvering the trucks, high ceilings. The secret to industrial, there's three rules in industrial. I don't know if you know them. Parking, parking, and parking. <laughs> Those are the three rules. So I like a building with a lot of parking because when someone moves in and into a manufacturing biz- building, they don't leave. So they grow and grow and grow. Their offices get bigger. They hire more people to work in the factory. And if the parking isn't there to accommodate it, it's a major problem. So if the specs are good, when things go bad in the market, we're the first buildings theoretically that someone wants to lease or buy. What's your best source for meeting new investors right now? Your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I I think it's really just referrals. The best, I have someone that uh, was an investor with me. He was a doctor in California and he died in his 80s. And his two sons called me and said, we don't know what, what we own with you, but explain it. And I did. And they said, okay, now that you've explained it, can we bring our cousin Laura in with us? And I said, Sure. And then they said, we have another cousin who's a young doctor in Chicago and he'd like to go in. So referrals, referrals, referrals. My number one referral source is a guy who was an event planner and a party planner and did weddings and bar mitzvahs and birthday parties for wealthy people. And he's a close friend and he introduces me to all these people he's done hundreds of parties for. And when he introduces me, they say, oh, yeah, Randy, we love Randy. Tell us about your deal. That's my number one source is this guy who's a good friend of mine who does that. What's his number? I'm just just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'll introduce you. (laughs) So what would you say is your biggest challenge right now in your business? Finding deals. It's so hard. It's really tough. And the back room is always hard. Accounting, management, property management. We self-manage and it's so much work. And it's a loser. We lose money on it. People tell me when I say we we manage for 4%, they say, well, that sounds like you're making too much. And I say, tell you what, you do it. I'll pay you the 4%. Have a good day. And they say, no, 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 no. you can have the 4%. Yeah. Managing is really tough. There's always a broken HVAC. And even if the tenant's responsible for the cost of replacing it, they still call us. and They say, hey, it's your building. I know what the lease says. Would you pay for it? And then we have to negotiate what we're going to do. Like, do we split it with them? There's so many complications in managing. Yeah, yeah. That's a big one. What about the most important metrics that you track, Joel? It could be personally or professionally. I think it's the number of people that I help. And it's not the number. It's really helping people that need it. I'm mentoring right now seven or eight people. A young woman in Toronto who is just getting into real estate investment a few people in Chicago. I love to mentor. My metric is if I'm, if I'm helping somebody every day, it's a good day. What about some habits that you are disciplined about that have produced the highest return for you? Sleep. I sleep. That's the number one thing. I think if you don't sleep enough, it's really bad. And I try to get eight hours of sleep a night. And it's really important to me because I think 
you're fresher and better when you sleep. I know so many people who struggle with sleep and so much of it is that they're taking risks or they're unsure of their future and they're just nervous Mm. and they wake up because they have anxiety and I'm trying hard to keep the anxiety level. I like serenity. I'm just trying to sleep well at night by making really good judgments. Yeah, I like the stress on sleep. I know over the last last few years, my wife and I have been more focused on getting like just being in a good routine, right? Bed on time, up early, because I can tell. Man, if I use that scale like you were talking about earlier, I can tell I'm way down on that scale if I don't get enough sleep for you know, especially a number of nights in a row. It does affect the way I feel and decision making and all those things in a big way. It's hard though when you when you have a family and you've got kids because. Your life is so much more frenetic when you've got a family thing going. I'm I'm a grandfather. My kids don't take up my time the way they used to, which was the most wonderful thing. You're know, going to the games and going to their events. And last night, I my granddaughter was over. We built a fort right here. I, I took that chair back there and this chair, and I put a big blanket over it. And we played like we were in a cave, and we had little little toys. We had a dragon and a witch and a frog. I think it's really taking time for the little things in life and appreciating them. Yeah. That's really important. That's sweet. That's sweet memories right there, right? So what would you say is the number one thing that's contributed to your success? That's a great question. I think changing who I was. I was risk-taking. I don't even know what the word is because there's no word that's bad enough for me. Big shot. And I think I don't need to be a big shot. I just want to have good relationships and make good decisions. And to me, that's everything in life. Once you're there, everything else falls in place. I know you already talked about this a little bit, but how do you like to give back? Oh, mentoring is such a blast for me. Last night, I was having dinner and this young guy called me and he was telling me that he's had problems his whole life with his mom and his dad. There was some addiction stuff and he had a talk with his dad and it went so well. And he thanked me because I gave him some tips that I use for getting along well with family members because I've had a few struggles with some family member issues. And it just feels so good to know that I'm there helping him to do better. He's in his early 30s. I wish someone had told me what I'm telling you now when I was in my early 30s. I might not have listened, though. For sure. Yeah, that's a problem. We we probably wouldn't have listened. Uh, but Joel, I'm so grateful for your time and just your willingness to share and and being transparent about like the 2008 stuff, right? You know what happened, and you know you just putting that out there. I think that just man that builds so much trust with your investors as well, right? And I know people listening also, and and uh, they want to hear how you handled that, and what happened, and man, you know, because you know even you said, hey, I expect a pop, right? You know, in the very near future. And so we want to make sure we're prepared just like, you know, you wish you had been prepared then, right? And so hopefully we can all learn from from you and our learning. And so very grateful for your time today. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Our website is Brit Properties, B-R-I-T, one T, properties.com. And I want to tell you how honored I feel to be on your podcast. I've watched you. I think you're doing a great job. I'm really grateful to be on with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth 
in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 